Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V the Gorilla Economist. We have back the man of the hour himself, Mr. Matthew Arid, is here. And I, for one, am excited. I've I've missed him greatly. I know we've all missed him, and he is back. You can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net, and the Substack, Substack.com forward slash Matthew Arid. And make sure you get his books. It's super important. Amazing work that him and his wife Cynthia are doing. Amazing authors, amazing lecturers, and he's been on a whirlwind tour all across this planet, evangelizing the intellectual minds of those who yearn to breathe free. Matthew Erd is with us. How are you, Maddie? Preach, brother. Yeah, <laughs> no, good, man. Good. I uh, fun. I'm really, really, really happy to be back. I was jonesing for these rogue news updates, and uh, yeah, my my uh, circadian rhythm, like I was I was telling you before the show, is still uh, a little haywire, but that's the way it is. We just got back from Japan this week, and uh, yeah, we did a, a little bit of a tour first of Ireland. Got to uh, speak to some Irish patriots and freedom fighters and the resistance there. Uh, there was a big conference, so that was fun. Then uh, did the same sort of thing in Switzerland, where we went into the belly of the beast in Basel and mm. uh, had a, a long... A pretty decent-sized conference. About 300 people showed up uh, right in the core of Basel. And the whole thing was basically on, on how to uh, undo the the emergence of a new world war threat and build bridges between cultures. So that was a really good focus. There, there's a high focus on, on uh, beauty, classical culture. Classical music was presented uh, in between each of the, the presentations. We had Daniela Ganser. Yeah. Um, who also spoke along with Dirk Pohlmann, um, two uh, award-winning journalists, one of whom exposed the entire, or did more work than anyone that I know, exposing the entire Gladio Stay Behind Network and how that was incorporated into NATO after World War II, Daniel Ganser. And he got uh, canned from his university, from his teaching position, and has since uh, risen oh, wow. star in the alt-media community of Europe. So that was that was great. Dirk Pullman is, has made like 30 documentaries over 40 years. And the guy's a, just an incredible gumshoe journalist. Mm. Did a good presentation as well on East-West relations. Cynthia and I both had a chance to, to deliver some keynote, keynote remarks. And Kirsten, our, uh, our friend who runs the Cured Punked magazine, she hosted the thing. And, and that was great. So that was uh, Basel and then Japan. We're working on a separate project there. Um, similar but different. And uh, 
yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind. It has been a whirlwind. And uh, let me ask you this: since you've been, you've gotten a bunch of passport stamps within the last few weeks. Yeah. What is the temperature right now of the populace of the world? Because the populace of the world deals with reality. The oligarchs in the West deal in fantasy. And what are you seeing, Matt? I mean, with with a certain uh, disclaimer I have to put out, the, the majority of the people that I directly interfaced with were pretty awakened souls. You know, these are people mm. who, who came to the conference, you know, did se- secondary events. So they had um, a, a pretty high degree of knowledge of the oncoming economic collapse and, uh, and a certain sense that there has to be a solution and a pretty good sense that they're being lied to about both Russia and China being the, the global supervillains. So that, that sense was pretty high. Um, I can't say when I was walking abroad in downtown Dublin or, or in uh, Switzerland or in France, you know, in the general population, I, I didn't really get a chance to speak to that many people. You know, now and again, I chat to, chat with somebody at a cafe and, and it would be pr- pretty good. But, you know, in that sense, I, I didn't have a chance to really test the the temperature of the zeitgeist of the the mass base that much yeah um japan similar thing you know it 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 feels like a like your your average day in any major western city in that sense um really polite people in japan i gotta say polite thoughtful people like i asked we got lost a few times and asked for directions and uh, in three occasions, the, the local Japanese people who we stopped to ask actually walked us far out of their way to put us back on the right track. Um, and I'm talking like, you know, 15 minute walks out of their, their, they were walking one direction. They walked with us to make sure we didn't get lost again. So it says something about the morality, the ethical state of the population, which is really unique. Um, do, can I say that they generally are aware of how Japan is being played uh, militarily by the U.S. military industrial complex? I can't say that I, I I know that to be true. I do know that by just being like you, uh, a watcher of uh, of geopolitics, there's definitely a fight on the higher echelons of especially the business community of uh, Europe as well as of Japan who see that a nuclear war is very bad for business and are using every single piece of influence that they can wield to try to get political entente back toward discussions, economic agreements behind the scenes. Um, Yeah, that's probably one of the best, uh, ironically, one of the best sources of resistance on an effective political policy level that we have is the business community who sees that they are um, either going to be wiped out in nuclear war or under a great reset, whereby you know most of the dirty construction companies or productive uh, firms and corporations that, in some cases, did bad things under globalization. You know, I'm not going to say that Chevron or Shell Dutch Oil or uh, SNC Lavalin or, or Caterpillar, uh, you know, construction mega corporations are uh, have clean hands or didn't do business with corrupt forces uh, over the last 40, 50 years. But when you look at the ideology or when the, the CEOs and boards of directors there look at the ideology of, of you know, uh, Mark Carney and the other Davos depopulation creeps who talk about a green, clean, anti-carbon dioxide world order, they could see just like the Saudi uh, families and the, the Saudi um the Saudi corporate leaders that yeah. there's no place for them in that equation. So they're, uh, they're playing a certain role behind the scenes. That is a useful one. Um, that that's to be said. 
Absolutely. I mean, recently we just had uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, break ranks. I mean, he, let's be honest here. The, Fran the French are probably the most influential country in the EU. And now they are uh, doubting the uh, mutual suicide pact that the EU has joined in in order to, you know, kill themselves while saving Ukraine and U.S. foreign hegemony. Uh, we're starting to see this. Like, it's funny, Matt, because the U.S. started this whole nonsense of isolating Russia. And recently, with the peace accords that have occurred between Iran and Saudi Arabia, brokered by the Chinese, of course, and now the normalization of, of Syria with its Arab brothers, it's and now Europe, second-guessing, especially with Macron and a few other uh, European industrialists, second-guessing this whole entire American neoliberal plan it seems as if the only ones that are being isolated here is the out-of-control, schizophrenic, murderous, insane U.S. and yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I, I, I hope that the, I mean, it's the, the, the private sector interest that I, that I alluded to and that you just pointed out uh, that played a big role also in Macron's uh, voyage to, to China, which at first, you know, I wasn't very optimistic and it looked like it was a similar uh, task set before Macron as as that which was set before uh, Ursula von der Leyen, which mm -hmm. was to basically try in their delusion to intimidate the Chinese or, or shame them into, uh, you know, submission over Taiwan or supporting Russia on the Ukraine front. But it turned out it was two very different deployments. And it seemed like Ursula, Ursula von der Leyen was deployed to sort of try to be the wet blanket on what Macron was being sent to do. And he's not his own man, but he brought in with him or what, or you could say maybe uh, the delegation that came with him brought him along. Um, I think might be a better way of maybe putting it, which was a business delegation that um, represented total, a lot of the big um, uh, car manufacturing, energy manufacturer, energy companies of France who recognize that they're being set up to be sacrificial lambs. It's pretty interesting. You mentioned um, Total. Total yeah. has a very good relationship with both Iran and Russia. In fact, it was Total CEO a couple of years ago that was mysteriously killed on a runway in his private jet. Right, right. That's right. Yeah, no, that that's the real that's a, a much more important battle battlefront than people realize. Yeah. And it's not it's not so much in the public domain. Um, but that's where where I mean policy in such a, a deep level is being is being um fought over in that business domain. Where I mean if you because it's it's about who wields spheres of influence. And if you're a corporation that's built up a huge amount of productive capability and relationships. That's a form of diplomacy. I mean, you carry weight in your own country, in the case of Total, it's France, but you also carry weight with all of the, the different connections that you have on a political and other private business level in Iran, in Russia, and China, who make things happen, who have influence with the governments of their own country. So this is part of the not fully controlled um, domain, which is why, I mean, a lot of people right now, they're, they're a bit confused because they have a naive sensory first degree approximation of how how the world is shaped based on what they see coming out of cnn or msnbc or fox you know which is political discourse that's um prepared for mass consumption and they don't realize that there's this whole other thing and without understanding that whole other thing you can't understand why macron went to china why they why why he was treated despite his his um um mediocre superficial status as a puppet 
you know, Rothschild uh, tool. Despite that, he it's not one dimensional. He also has to cater and adapt to the realities of the business class that that is supporting him and uh, the interests of the people who currently are burning down France over policies he's being told to do as far as jack up the uh, the retirement rate uh, age by two years. So France is on fire. And so he's got a lot of pressure and from a variety of directions, a lot of influence. And when China rolled out the red carpet for him and, you know, treated him like like they treated Donald Trump back in 2019, when Trump was given like a um, a tour of honor of China, the Forbidden Palace. It's for the same reasons that it's not just that one individual. It's that they represent an entire uh, machinery that can get things done and that don't want to go along with the Davos agenda, which is bad for business. It's bad for everybody. And that's the only reason why you can understand how somebody in the in the state of corruption that America had fallen into, how Hillary could have been subverted. It wasn't because Trump was like, you know, some soup, like some some phenomenon individual. It's that you had an entire business community who like Mark Carney had said openly in several occasions that for those businesses who adapt to the new realities of the green economy, we, we will be bringing in on online. Um, You will be rewarded handsomely. And for those who don't, you will be destroyed. And he, he said it just like that. And so did Christia Freeland. And so have various other um, assholes representing the, the higher echelons of Davos. And so they're they're talking directly to those firms that were you know I just referenced SNC Lavalin you know SNC Lavalin the one of the biggest construction companies of Canada um, made a, made a lot of money uh, building helping Gaddafi build the great man made water uh, project that was destroyed by NATO in 2011. Um, now, it's did is is SNC SNC Lavalin um, a non corrupt you know, patriotic institution? No, not really. No, but they, they they have a rational sense of their self-interest. And so they will do things that fall out of script. And that's, uh, that's a very important point uh, that people just need to really think about because that's not only what, what made the 2016 surprise election happen, that's what currently is a factor in determining what's going to be the outcome going into, if we even have a next election, I don't even know. But if we do, the, the fact is, uh, the outcome is going to be shaped by the reality of the battles that are happening in boardrooms and the backdoor deals both inside of America around, you know, uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., Trump, who I hope can converge uh, their forces fast because we do need the better Democrats and the better Republicans to work together on a common on a common front that does not involve going to war with Russia or China, which both Trump and Bobby Kennedy Jr., have uh, have demonstrated a um, a focus that surprised me in a good way. Both of them have tried to clear clarify in the minds of their followers the nature that Russia and China are not the enemy of America. Correct. It is this other thing, and that's good that both of them are doing that. And I hope that continues. Yeah, I hope that continues as well. I mean, it's so mission critical. I mean, what a good is. Uh, uh, you know, what's good as elections? What's good as uh, of anything if we're all glowing in the dark? You know. Yeah. And yeah, I think Trump has the right idea. He has them facing the right kind of enemy in this regard, you know? Yeah, I, I think in general that that's the case. And uh, the whole indictment of Trump thing going on right now, it's obvious. It's so obviously a witch hunt. Even the even most of the fanatical Democrats have had to, you know, they will acknowledge that it's a bit of a witch hunt. But their policy is or they're thinking as well. Well, that's fine, isn't it? Isn't it necessary to do witch hunts? Isn't it necess- necessary to burn the tyrants at the stake? And uh, but they acknowledge that it's a witch hunt, 
Um, and it's overall, from what I've seen, uh, the popularity in the, the, of Trump has only continued to grow in despite that from his support base and people who are like really starting to see the desperate cracks. Cause it's, it's a sign of weakness. If the machine has to crack down on an individual to this extent, it's not a sign of strength at all. Um, so that's, that's one good thing. And you know, the, the, the obvious facts that, uh, the entire, the entire thing is based on really smelly, shady innuendo, secret claims, not a lot of evidence being presented, obviously, because that's what it is. And from what I have, have seen is that uh, on just a, a superficial level, uh, Michael Cohen, who's perjured himself a, a thousand times over and upon whose uh, testimonial and so-called evidence, a lot of this, the claims of Stormy Daniels arrest, uh, is that he did, Mike Cohen, when he had already sold him, set himself up to be a disruptive force to demolishing the you know Donald Trump from within in 2018, he had already did the done the payoff of what is one hundred twenty thousand dollars to Stormy Daniels. Sure, um, from his own pocket, there was no evidence of any reimbursement from Trump or anything that Trump owns, and this guy just did that in order to set the stage for a narrative that could be then detonated at some given opportune time, which is now. Um, but there's nothing really there at all. So I, I don't think that it's I think that this whole thing is backfiring. And far as far as Bobby Kennedy Jr. coming out the way he is, um, though he is stupid on green energy, and I do hope his his supporters can uh, educate him on uh, the fallacies of windmills, solar panels, and the Green New Deal, which he unfortunately has been a promoter of for a long time. So that's genocidally stupid, criminally stupid. He's not a bad guy. I think he does. He is very, very much aware of the the deep state structures that killed his father, and that and his uncle, and that took over. I mean, he's put it into words on, on more than one occasion. And the the fact that he's broken away from his former stance that was very much demoralizing to me, where he was supportive of his uh, idiotic, useful idiot son who went to volunteer in the uh, you know the Ukrainian uh, militias to uh, to fight the big bad Rus Ruskies. Um, and he was early on saying how proud he was of his son to, for standing up to bully Putin. Oh, yeah. um, that that he's pulled back on that, and he's since come out with some assessments of the world situation that I found uh, to be good. So hopefully he uh, he continues to grow in his wisdom on that level and uh, becomes you know or, or or continues to become um, somebody who could be an ally with the better. MAGA uh, oriented Republican networks that again, they, they you need a coalition of sanity yeah. right now uh, beyond everything. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Matt, a coalition of sanity. That's what, that is what this world is missing, especially on the Western side of things. We need a coalition of sanity. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you're starting to see it again with uh, Macron's statements were very strong, you know, that, that Europe, must not go along or, or bend to the pressure of, of the U.S. on Taiwan, that it's not good business to go to war with China. And you just contrast that. Um, you just contrast that with people like Michael McCall or uh, Lindsey Graham or whatever that name, that four-star general who's an active four-star oh, general, yeah. forgot his name all of a sudden. From the Air Force, the Air Force idiot. Yeah, yeah. saying that it, the United it, States Chair Force, the Chair Force. Yeah. Man, it's, it, yeah, well... The, the, well, that's the thing, right? These people are 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 so detached from reality. They're they're used to sitting in their chairs in their offices playing war games on on on. Uh, or on if they're in the DoD, they're literally playing with themselves, Matthew. 
or they're literally doing that. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know what they do on Friday nights. I don't want to know. DOD orgies. Uh, I know that they experimented <laughs> with a lot of drugs. I was actually watching on, on YouTube some, uh, some U.S. Navy and U.S. Air Force um, educational videos on LSD as part of the MKUltra experiments from the oh, 1950s wonderful. and 60s. And, wonderful. Uh, yeah, the U.S. Navy and especially the U.S. Navy, but also the Air Force really got uh, targeted especially the top brass with uh, doses of LSD that were uh, brought into brainwash and create these anti-reality freaks with uh, jarhead, you know, military crew cuts and unfortunately influence over U.S. military systems who then occupied positions of influence within Raytheon, the burgeoning military industrial complex, which is a revolving door in and out of the military and private sector. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff, if you want to look at things like, you know, um, the, the the asymmetrical warfare that many people are don't have the courage to address within that that occurred in our own Western civilization in the 1950s and especially into the 60s out of MK Ultra, which was you know the the U.S. and British military and also Canadian uh, intelligence agencies doing work, and it was the intelligence agencies interfacing with the military that were were utilizing more advanced forms of psilocybin research, uh, mescaline, acid, LSD that was derived from uh, wheat blight, a little mold that grows on uh, on wheat. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, it's been a hallucinogenic in, in cultures from medieval Europe all the way through Africa and, and South America. Shaman tribalist cultures have been using this for a long time to tap into their spiritual domain. It's basically a mold that, uh, that grows on wheat or uh, rye. And even in, in ancient Greece, this was part of the rites of Gnostic initiation into the higher mystery religions as part of inducing a deconstruction of the minds of initiates yeah. and then a reconstruction under a controlled priesthood that would then repattern the identities of people um, after going through controlled uh, psychedelic experiences. And, and these things never went away. Um, they were just sort of retuned a little bit. Uh, some parapsychology, speaking with the dead, the afterlife, a lot of these these things which are tied to the British Intelligence Parapsychology Bureau that people like, uh, you know, Halford Mackinder and and a lot of the, the Fabian H.G. Wells Roundtable Movement networks were all a part of that, including their branches in America. Um, these things were always interfacing with each other, creating your own reality um, and focusing on brainwashing a managerial elite to be disassociated from their morality, from their conscience, and becoming ever more useful idiots in a cult run by a, a higher master class priesthood to deploy them in ways that would ultimately undermine the nations that they lived in. As we saw with J. Edgar Hoover, the devout cultish Freemasonic, you know, 33rd degree Freemasonic idiot who helped do so much in the Cold War to destroy his own society, including kill JFK and Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King from within interfacing with uh, Alan Dulles and others from the CIA and MI6 the whole time. So why do I bring this in up, up now is because look at what, what was, what was Jim Morrison, right? What was Frank Zappa? What was the mamas and the papas? What was the grateful dead? All of these, these, these um, artistic movements that came out of the scene in the 1960s. um, They were run by people like Jim Morrison, like all of the people I just mentioned, the lead singers from the mamas and the papas, the lead singer for uh, Jerry Garcia, They all came out of families that were very high up in the echelons of the military industrial complex, like Jim uh, Jim Morrison's father being the lead admiral of the uh, 
the U.S. battleship that was so-called fired upon by the um, northern Vietnamese at the Gulf of Tonkin, uh -huh. which never happened. Never it, happened. Was, it was a PSYOP job to justify the, the, the expansion of the war in Vietnam. And the fact that his son was, I believe, sort of like a, a weird ritualistically, like spiritually sacrificed lamb um, from his father. That seems to be sort of what, what's happening because all of these people, including, again, Garcia, uh, there's so many, a huge list. This, these are the, the, the founding, the founding freak father, founding freaky fathers of the counterculture revolution, which was what an LSD laced mass brainwashing human guinea pig experiment that involved every single young person in school, in every university of Europe and North America in the 1960s that all of a sudden saw, um, Free, mass, abundant LSD and other forms of drugs spread freely across their campuses and as part of a global voyage to escape reality and make your own little micro-realities um, as you you just embrace a hedonistic conception of, of identity, don't trust anybody over 30, cut off the, the ancient traditions of Christianity, which is obsolete, nuclear yeah. families, belief in right and wrong, it's all subjective, man, like, all of this shit. This is this was a war against the soul of the Western population. And when Vladimir Putin talks about the two Western traditions, one of which he can work with, which is based on a respect for the past values, morality and a look towards the future or kids or grandkids. He said that Western tradition, if it if it can be revived or if, you know, as Lavrov said, if the U.S. can come out of its uh, its its hangover period or sober up, we can actually have a dialogue of trust and rebuild and reconstruct society as partners but there's this other western tradition which is a pseudo tradition which we cannot work with and that death cult is something which emerged in the i mean we make fun of china right and it's easy to do about the the the, the cultural revolution under mao and what happened it was like the attack on the four olds of 1966 to 76 and that was a devastatingly stupid policy you should never do that it was bad People died unnecessarily, and the ancient Buddhist and Confucian traditions that uphold the ethical principles that animated four or five thousand years in some in some ways of, of Chinese tradition was all attacked. Shrines and scriptures were were burnt. As far as this uh, this stupid policy, Un but we make fun of it, thinking, "Oh, we're we're the free and democratic, rules based, order, liberty loving society." The, the irony of this, and it's it's such an important thing to, to really internalize, is that we both had suffered a cultural revolution, the Chinese and the Americans. The difference being the Chinese actually had a rallying of their patriots and nationalists that did successful battle, extracting George Soros and the CIA in their side. And they undid the cultural revolution by reviving a respect for their ancient traditions, whereas here... We kept it going. It never ended. The cultural revolution where we had cut off ourselves from the past to create a live in the now ultra malleable, make your own reality, uh, you know, feelings are reality type of new ethos in a new baby boomer generation. That did not end. That yeah. kept going for the past 50 years. And now we're several phases of de-evolution into that. Mm. Whereby people are, are thinking they got to cut off their penises and eat bugs to stop global warming. That's the direct effect of the fact that our cultural revolution is still underway and it, it's the natural progression of this type of cutting ourselves off of the past and the future, which is, again, it's, that's, that's what made this thing work. It, 
That's why drugs, virtual reality, video games is be, are being employed the way they are by the Davos clique and all of the World Economic Forum young leaders like Larry Fink and others who are like, you know, being processed in this in this death cult. Yeah. They're all looking at drugs and video games as the future to keep the useless eaters satisfied until you you get a chance to turn them into so soylent green. Um, that's only made possible by what happened with the baby boomers who said the new wisdom is there is no reality. It's all how you feel. And drugs helps us prove that we can create our own realities um, outside of the one that we think we were born into in the physical universe. You know, And that detachment allowed for a new space, a fertile or infertile soil in this case, or a fertile soil for in order to sprout very infertile ideas about the idea that there is no man, no woman. There's as many genders as you have feelings. There's as many uh, states of existence as you can make a math mathematical model to justify. So in string theory, you can justify why there's 11 dimensions, why there's 85 dimensions, why there's 1,042 dimensions. It doesn't matter because if you can make a mathematical model that's built built on the foundations of maybe, aka probability theory, which is what everything is based upon, which is that there, there is no reason or rhyme or purpose in <clears throat> nature. It's all just chaos. Then at that point, you know, uh, you, you can, like I said, you could actually think you're being a revolutionary by uh, by cutting off your your genitals and saying, I'm I'm now going to just be a bug eating um, unicorn, um, trans unicorn or something that uh, and, and I, that's how I'm going to fight climate change. You can actually think that that's how you're being anti-establishment or blow up a pipeline, which is what, you know, there's currently a very popular movie that's that's being promoted right now on how to blow up a pipeline it's being circulated it's based on a stupid book and we talked about this in our last show there's yeah. this whole movement of eco-terrorism on the on the on the mass level that has been blossoming thinking with these young idiots who are the, the protégés the students of teachers that have infiltrated our university system who are themselves mk ultra lsd psychopaths who were processed in the 1960s who then were brought into taking control of Harvard, Yale, even smaller universities, and have created clusters and cells of ideologue activist students who are then deployed to be the anarchist uh, neo-terrorists saving Gaia from the pox and pollution of human civilization by attacking infrastructure and other things and thinking that that somehow makes them a good person because they're destroying humanity. So it's, uh, it's a very dangerous... Uh, <laughs> slope that we've just allowed ourselves to slide down in the 1960s. And again, people need to really realize what came in. It was, it was called, it was called the British invasion for a reason, right? That's they even openly call. Oh yeah. The, so it wasn't all about the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I like, I like, you know, uh, somewhat John Lennon says in some of his anti-depopulation, uh, you know, interviews, I think he was a, not a bad guy. And I, I like Jim Morrison. Some of the stuff he'd said, you know, it was pretty good. As as individuals, they weren't bad, and do, do, did they understand what they were a part of? I, no, not a, no chance in hell. And they didn't understand what the hell was really behind the assassination of JFK, the creation of the Vietnam War. They just thought that that was and and their fault. All young people were trained to think that that was just the natural consequence of America being America, and nations being nations. Is they create wars, they extend themselves as empires do. Lenin said this in his uh, "Imperialism is the last stage of capitalism." That there's this equation that you know human beings are selfish. Selfish human beings organize and make what's called nations. Nations are thus the accumulation of all of the selfishness of the individuals making it up. Nations are thus defined by selfishness. 
because nations are not alone but exist with other nations that are all selfish, they can do not but uh, encroach upon each other's interests and go to war. And the stronger will win those wars and the weaker will be extinguished or gobbled up. And thus empire is the natural consequence of nation states, which is the natural consequence of selfish people. And thus nation states can do nothing but collapse under their own um, decadence. And thus, you know, I'm, I'm just going through how the, the, the basic stupid logic has been constructed. It's, they obviously make it more complex. And thus collapse is the natural state of human, human civilization. Um, rape, pillage, enslavement, corruption, collapse. These are natural. So the Vietnam War, that was just the natural consequence of humans being humans. And all we could do is try to create our own reality. Um, maybe, you know, uh, reject the ideas that gave birth to the nation state to begin with, you know, the idea of God, what if there was no heaven? What if there was no, you know, imagine, imagine all the people living just for the day. All the people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all of these things were subliminal like trans like shamanistic messages infused into the zeitgeist influencing people are like dancing around to the rhythms and not realizing what kind of maybe messaging is uncritically just entering into their general thought matrix about the world and cosmology and nationalism and how that new reconstruction of their thoughts would then shape identities that would go into the corporate sector or go into the military as we saw with fort bragg right with the takeover in the 1970s of these LSD PSYOP uh, guinea pigs who became generals who were brought into Fort Bragg doing mind control experiments on their soldiers, teaching soldiers, how do you um, do psychedelics as part of new warfare and like stare at goats until their hearts explode by your just force of will or vibrate your, your atoms in the right way to, to run through a wall which was made into a movie with George Clooney called Men Who Stare at Goats. It's a funny yep. movie. Based on a true story. It's not, that's not fiction. <laughs> they did that. Man, who, <laughs> who needs scientific advancements, bro? No, exactly. Like, totally, man. We just sit here and we just stare at goats. Like, totally gnarly. You just you know, need brain need, science. That's... We don't need any of that. We just got to feel like I'm changing my atoms right now. I'm about to walk through the wall, dude. Yeah, it's that lame. It's really bro. that lame. You know, Jeffrey Steinberg, a, a former writer with EIR, he did a, a hardcore expose that freaked me out. But it, it yeah. went through this whole story of Fort Bragg's takeover by the LSD PSYOPs operatives. And he went through uh, the different personalities in the neoconservative apparatus who um, managed the 9-11, the war in Iraq, the whole the whole uh, insane war policy after 1999. Uh, they the leading figures of that operation went through the there is no reality, let's run through walls, brainwashing crap for years in Fort Bragg and then were deployed into strategic sectors. Um, And they're perfect tools because they think that they're living in essentially a video game. Like they don't think that there is a reality. Correct. So they're very easy to program. They have very little connection to their authentic conscience or sense of soul. It's very And and I think think you you hit on something that was very critical here, right? Mm -hmm. These men who've undergone uh, – I got to write a book on this one day. But these men who've undergone all the psychobabble training, right, alternate consciousness, alternate reality, alternate this, alternate that, these people get promoted within the ranks. Mm -hmm. And they are the propagators of ideologies such as this. We have alien technology in Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. We have we have 
breakaway civilizations living in outer space right now. We've have a, 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 a an advanced uh, a, a military base on Mars and on the dark side of the moon, and then also we have advanced alien weaponry that we can bring to war because we are super advanced. There's things that we've experimented with. You wouldn't know we are capable of time travel. Every single sci-fi genre you could think of in every conspiratorial website on the internet that talks about the supremacy of U.S. military tied in with next-generation, high-level physics-type weaponry and stuff is brought to you by morons who have undergone the psychological trauma and brainwashing that are the product of the 60s and 70s, MK Ultra and other type of mind-altering products. This is the only thing the West has. It's fantasy. And then we see this today, Matthew, in the Ukrainian battlefields because some of these guys are leading mercenary private military contractor brigades into battle against Russian Spetsnaz and against Wagner Group and they are turning tail and they're running, they're hiding, they're crying. They're like, we don't want to do this anymore. Why? Because they spent their years believing this claptrap. This is what yeah. we're facing. It's like, dude, I mean, honestly, if you take a step back and look into it, we have become a culture that is prone and sold into believing fantasy. It is tragic where we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. It's... <sighs> And you, the fact that you brought in the UFO thing again, you know, like people watching Rogue News have probably heard us talking in the past about oh, this, yeah. but it's worth restating within this context because it is still being pushed in the in the U.S. Pentagon and the Congress. They're still pushing um, this this uh, it is it is a psyop about uh, how other otherworldly technology has been used by the U.S. military and uh, okay. and they've been keeping it secret. And let's get full disclosure of the U.S. interfacing with aliens. And this oh, is yeah. like now mainstream politicians. Um, and, well, these, and These are like a bunch of little boys playing Dungeons and Dragons and they never grew up. They never grew up. Yeah, well, that's the, that's that's a problem. And and if you look at it, this is this can be understood better if you approach it top down, because, you know, there, there's elements of truth in, in a lot of this. Like, I do believe, I think with good reason, and I, I think you do, too, that that there is black budget um, sure. secret uh, tech that is developed outside of the public sphere of knowledge. Yep. That's that was what a big part of the Cold War was was all, you know, classified uh, military tech. It's not, it wasn't just the Manhattan project. And then all of a sudden all, uh, science and tech development affiliated with, with military systems just all of a sudden went public. No, that continued. And you see examples of, uh, various, uh, very, very good scientists who sign contracts thinking that they're going to get a bucket of money from like Lockheed Martin or Raytheon, usually Lockheed Martin though. Um, who's, who are going to like all of a sudden start supporting their promising experiments, which are bearing really good results and demonstrating the fallacies of standard theory, uh, microphysics or aerospace. And what happens usually in almost every one of these cases, and we have the case of James Boussard, the father of the, uh, the Boussard uh, jet engine yeah. propulsion technology in the 1960s with, with, you know, as far as like fusion propulsion technology with NASA he developed unique designs for uh, plasma creation and fusion reactions using Boussard Polywell uh, devices that were, again, overthrowing the entire um, mo accepted models of standard uh, microphysics because they were bearing results that shouldn't be possible. 
And as soon as he gets money in 2007 from the U.S., I think it's the U.S. Navy, um, all of a sudden he's really happy. He signs the contract, and that's it. That's it. You just It disappears. Nobody ever gets to see what the hell that was again. Or, uh, you know, some of this interesting aerospace tech that was absorbed that the Nazis were doing work on. There were three different uh, Nazi and Italian um, aerospace during World War II operations that were doing work on various devices or designs for flying saucer tech. Um, as soon as World War II was over, all of those scientists um, basically got absorbed by paperclip, got pulled into the U.S. military industrial complex or Canada's Avro Aero. Mm. Uh, people like... like uh, Greatest plane ever developed during the Cold War, by the way. The Avro Aero, yeah. Yes. It was the first supersonic uh, jet just completely dismantled uh, in 1957. Yep. Uh, torn to, no, 59, torn to pieces, turned into scrap iron. Yep. All prototypes uh, destroyed, destroyed, all nine of them. Everything. Um, all the blueprints, how to make it, the whole nine yards gone. Why? Because yeah. they dare make a plane better than the United States Air Force. Yeah, and it's, it's like... Did that necessarily, did the tech disappear? No, but it went underground. And, and you know, in certain cases, it was finally brought for commercial use with the Concorde Air, airline of supersonics in, in France decades later. But, uh, and those those were taken down in 2002 when that was like verboten technology. So you do have these things um, that I'm sure are, are there. Certain more advanced forms of, of technology to a certain degree than what we're publicly led to believe. And we see the, the little bits of evidence we get of that are being spun by the narrative reframers to make it seem like, oh, this because we cannot account for how, how such um, um, metals, these alloys that we don't find in mined metals on the earth, how could they have come into being? Well, they must be otherworldly tech that created it, yeah. which must mean, and then they just you know weave their narrative around Roswell and other things. Yeah. Now, the reality oh is that God. people like Lawrence Rockefeller, it's not a coincidence that he is and was, because he's dead, 2004, but this is the, the, the fourth, I should say, fifth uh, uh, grandson of, of John D. Rockefeller Jr., yeah. um, David and, and Stephen, Stephen, the, the architect of the Earth Charter with Maury Strong um, being another one. Obviously, David and Nelson being two trilateral commission controllers of the 1970s, working with Kissinger and, and Zbigniew. Nelson almost became president when uh, Gerald Ford was shot by a Manson family devotee or no, Gerald Ford was almost shot. I, I didn't say shot, did I? I meant to say yeah, almost did. shot. Okay, almost shot by a Manson family devotee, and the bullet just missed uh, Ford. Had it had it actually hit him, it would have been Nelson Rockefeller, the president, back in the 70s instead of uh, Gerald Ford, who was already a disaster, but how much worse would it have been? Um, so you, you had Lawrence Rockefeller, who played his own role within the, the dynasty, within the machine, as the primary bankroller and organizer for unifying all of the different UFO disclosure groups around disclosure of getting the governments of the world to disclose the classified information on UFOs and anecdotal evidence of abductions and what have you and sightings just, and, and they, they turned an otherwise fetish movement into an activist movement, giving people more of a, an ingrained sense of purpose who are participating in this. People like Stephen Greer was, was brought in. But what else was Lawrence Rockefeller doing? Well, Lawrence Rockefeller was also the primary bankroller of the entire career and research of Terrence McKenna, right? The the psilocybin. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like if you notice with all these, what, there's so many, especially alt media type uh, podcasts and whatnot, like Joe Rogan and all these other guys. Everybody's like on the whole psilocybin. I call it psilocybin because it is silly. The psilocybin, as well as the oh, I'm I'm going on a hot trip 
I'm taking ayahuasca, DMT, blah blah blah, yeah. and uh, and I'm going to go see the the gnomes and the aliens. They're going to talk to me. I mean, you're just hallucinating. Your brain is having a uh, you're you're having a hallucination, and people are thinking yeah. that these hallucinations are so real because you got dimwits who themselves are products again of MK Ultra of all these types of uh, mind control programs. They're the ones that are right now in the scientific field saying, hey, this is good. The psilocy- yeah. There's something beyond this. You know, like yeah. Graham Hancock was talking about ancient technologies. And he's like, oh, yeah, we should all be psilocybin and ayahuasca. I'm like, no, we shouldn't. Go ahead, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because that, that's the variant, right? For those who, who uh, want to not fully accept the idea that these other uh, extraterrestrials uh, are necessarily in our dimension, there's some people who are just like, no, I'd rather not accept that. But I do... Um, I do want to believe in these sorts of things anyway. And so the Graham Hancock um, narrative is there to embrace them, which is also Terrence McKenna's, um, which is, well, no, it, it's actually other dimensional aliens on the seventh or eighth or ninth dimension, which, you know, uh, quantum theory, you know, probabilistic based quantum theory that emerged or that became really popular in the wake of the, uh, during the cold war yeah. um, that denies reality intrinsically ontologically modern, Copenhagen School quantum mechanics of of Niels Bohr and Heisenberg ontologically rejects causality and truth and reality as an existence because in their world it's all based upon perception and since perception cannot directly um, see the position and uh, momentum of a photon or an electron in motion and these things cannot be static like your you know, I can have the, at least the illusion of something static when I hold my microphone in place, yeah. even though it's not, it's an illusion because the world is still spinning and thus this thing is always in motion and every atom within it is still, is still changing. But I, I have that illusion with classical physics of something that I could, I could trace as a position of it on a, on a Cartesian graph and a momentum of it based on some metric that I choose to create of, uh, of space and time, you know, like moving across this much space in this much time these are still kind of arbitrary metrics every scalar metric you can come up with whether a foot or an inch mm. you know a foot what is a foot it's some random emperor's foot at some point that they just said that's going to be the, the the unit that we that we go with there, there's nothing it's arbitrary and even a, a meter is kind of relative to certain conditions of our localized part of the galaxy but all that to say um classical physics breaks down in the micro domain where you start dealing with photons and electrons and and things of that sort. And because you can't access all of that information uh, with your senses, thus they say there is no truth. There's only what you can maybe know of where something might be in the future. So you could probabilistically know that there's a 98 or 99.9% chance that the electron moving from here to here is going to go from A to B and will be at B. But uh, you can't know that that 0.01% chance means that it might be in, uh, in Alaska. In, in a second, it may not be there, you know, so you always have to allow this, like this maybeness to just shape everything and no causality. So all that to say, um, Terrence McKenna, Graham Hancock, they built their entire thesis that, that both in the present, if we want to interface with aliens, we could do it by just exp- taking mind drugs and tapping into those other dimensions with the mind space that we open up through psilocybins or other hallucinogenics. And that's what they say the priests 
of uh, of ancient Egypt were doing when they were getting yes. technology from the aliens that allowed right. them to figure out how to build the pyramids of Giza. Yeah, don't you want to build pyramids, Matt? What's wrong with you? Don't yeah, you want to well, know? Don't you want to know how Bokeli Tepe was built? Huh? Don't you want to yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that it's that silly, right? Like if you don't if you if you don't want to accept the conditions of Terrence McKenna and Graham Hancock's thesis of doing drugs to tap into other aliens, it means that you don't care about you don't care about the pyramids, you don't care about ancient civilizations, you don't care about the truth. But I mean, the whole premise is built up, built upon the rejection of an ontological truth, because frankly, there as much as people want to talk about the seventh or eighth dimensions, the fact is that these are mathematical constructs only and are the, 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 in, in real science, you need to always be able to set up an experiment to test a hypothesis of something you think exists that accounts for what your sense data is showing you as an anomaly that you want to explain. So you have to be able to create a crucial experiment to demonstrate that that's so like, for example, people used to believe in phlogiston. Okay. What the fuck is phlogiston? Phlogiston was, um, a supposed imaginary element that was assumed to infuse itself into iron whenever you put iron into uh, water and you saw rust form. And what was apparent, what appeared to be the case, and this, this was for well over a century or more, uh, all of the best scientists all agreed there must be this new element. Um, <laughs> it's modern because, acclimate. Because look, look, at the, look at the iron, right? The iron yeah. is less. You, 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 you just look at the iron, it's full of, there's little holes, there, there's there's it looks like it's being eroded. And so the thing which which left the iron that now looks like rust must have been phlogiston. And then somebody had the wits to actually weigh the iron. I don't know why it took so many centuries, but it was just such a powerful uh, imaginary entity in people's minds that somebody weighed the iron and realized, okay, the actually the iron before the rust and after the rust is different and in, in different in the sense that the, the iron before the rust is actually... Um, lighter than the iron after the rust. Even though the iron after the rust appears to be corroded, it's actually heavier. So what does that mean? Well, Lavoisier had to come out and and the friend of Benjamin Franklin, a, 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 scient a scientist revolutionary of France, had to uh, demonstrate that, well, actually, there must be this other agency that is going into, not out of, but into the mm -hmm. iron, creating what became known as oxidization. And that oxidize that that was the idea that oxygen is being is being bounded up with the elements of the right. iron, and that is then adding to the weight of the thing. And you could create an experiment and prove that that is the case. So that's real science. With the with, what you get with these quantum mechanic uh, quantum um, me mechanic uh, dr acid dropping new science. <laughs> Who are, who are getting info from aliens, which are probably <laughs> ephemeral, you know, I, 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 like schizo uh, identities in their subconscious that we don't know how to how to think about. Dude, these are all a bunch uh, of nerds who played who played way too much Dungeons and Dragons and didn't get outside much. I no, swear I, to I, you, a lot of them are that. Uh, yeah. And the Dungeons and Dragons thing had a lot more of an effect on the on the scientific culture than people realize. Exactly. But, um, but that you can never replicate any experiment to prove string theory or prove any of these things or to prove dark matter, which is supposedly what makes up 95% of the of the known universe, they say, is dark matter, which is intrinsically unexperimentable. We can never actually see it by its own definition of what it is or dark energy, which is a derivative of it, which are these, these things that the mind cannot by their own essence come to know. So they only exist in mathematical models 
as fudging of the data to keep lazy-minded people feeling like they're smart rather than actually thinking like creative scientists should and explore or question their false axioms. They don't do that. They just fake things so, so your models continue to exist. And it gets more complex, more uh, self-contradictory as well, because you have to start just making up more and more things to account for the anomalies that will always grow. And those things you're making up are always going to you know, contradict the other false uh, assumptions you already placed in the, in the equation. Like, like, you know, anybody who's tried to fudge a mathematical proof in school, in high school, you got to make this side balance with that side, right? Um, a squared equals B squared plus C squared, right? You got to, you got to make it balance. So you got to prove it to be true. You, at the more, that's an easy one, but if you have a more complex equation, the more you, every step you make built upon a fallacy and an error, which seems small, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And within four or five steps, you've got such a disaster. You got to like scrap and start again. If you're honest, these guys aren't honest. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And that's the same problem with the rules-based international order. It was, it, the whole thing is collapsing under its own contradictions. Um, you know, we all love democracy and, and rules that maintain order. Sure. Uh, but it's so obviously not a democracy when it, only existed based upon an unelected oligarchical elite managing our banking system, managing our our policymaking uh, centers, think tanks, uh, you know, CIA's Project Mockingbird. This is something which didn't go away either. You know, I mean, the CIA openly got caught red handed after organizing and controlling the Cold War mainstream press and mainstream uh, news and print media and TV uh, media outlets for decades that only continued and despite the fact that we are we've been openly brainwashed by what we call what, what's been called the free press we're now in a state where we're openly like we have to co, co live with this coexisting knowledge that the cia controls our media has controlled our media for 80 years and yet we're free and democratic and have free media i mean it doesn't insanity. work it breaks down yeah it's pure insanity to even think that man but this is, this is what Orwell is talking about, doublethink. You're having two diametrically opposed data or beliefs in your head or thoughts, and you're fine with it. You make peace with it. CIA owns our media. The DOD spends $254 million a year planting fake stories. We have freedom of the press. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's And then we attack, you know, Putin, the authoritarian Putin for, for not allowing free independent media. When we have Julian Assange rotting and being tortured in Belmarsh prison. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, as far as I could see it, whenever I look at RT or Sputnik News, that, you know, criticize them if you want. You know, they're state backed or they receive state funding. Um, by the way, so does CNN and so does NPR and so does uh, most of every BBC. I mean, that British public broadcasting it, um, CBC. But the point is, they actually acknowledge a much wider spectrum of reality than anything coming out of the rules-based freedom-loving West. Yeah. So which is more make your own reality. And again, it all comes back to what the baby boomers were put through as far as this, I don't like the, the Vietnam War. I don't like the hypocrisy of the, the insane world I'm living in. So I'm going to now make my own reality that I do like. And that, that I, I'll be happy, um, you know, just doing it. Now, does this mean every baby boomer all over the world is the same thing? No, I'm not trying to say that either. So don't get me wrong. If you're a baby boomer listening, saying I'm a moral person, that's not me. I agree. There's definitely a lot of outliers, including in the West and the baby boomers of Asia or Russia had a different set of experiences. I'm specifically talking about the baby boomers that went through this process primarily in the transatlantic in the time that they did. And some of them 
um, came out of it more intact than others. Some of them, a small minority, really held on to their values, but I'm talking a small minority. And thank God for you people. I, I really want you. You have a lot of work cut out for you to, uh, I, I mean, you, you, you were put through a lot. Mm. But, um, but for the most part, yeah, the baby boomers as a generational anomaly is the first time we've ever seen a generation so struck by a concerted cultural war on their entire generation. We've never seen something of this extent, scale, scope, and magnitude. And the, I mean, it wasn't just the drugs. It wasn't just the media. It wasn't just the music. It was also um, the arts in, in a variety of degrees. I mean, the arts were a, a big battlefield. The idea of, you know, um, post postmodernist art being an art of liberation against the big bad bad authoritarian realism art of the Soviet system that loved realism and now we're the democratic art of emotions that just denies the tyranny of reason and allows the freedom of emotions to just be whatever you want to express with no tempering of thought or ideas that are intelligible and that dichotomy um, is also something which swept across the baby boomers both of the elite I Ivy League uh, networks that were you know tapped into skull and bones and other things and also of the the lower plebe baby boomers who were given their own variants of it um, in the mass, you know, stupidified, mediocre pop culture that took little catchy tunes, repeated them and made made rhythms that were, uh, we, you know, sold to us as as, you know, uh, pop uh, the top of the pops, things like that. Yeah. Again, run by people like who? Jimmy Seville. You know, the, the fact that you see these these you know, rampant hardcore pedophiles like Jimmy Seville, who ran top of the pops, one of the biggest pop culture, counterculture uh, networks of, of Britain and of Europe, um, who turns out, you know, to be a rampant uh, pedophile and rapist his whole life, who's the, a, a patron and a supporter. He's a, he's knighted by the queen. He's a, he's a, he's a teacher of Prince Charles and a party, a friend and party goer of Prince Philip. He's the pontiff's um, pontiff. Pontiff. And the pontiffs. Yeah. You meant <laughs> holy, holy figures of the Anglican church are parting with this guy too. And they're weird you know, British Pizzagate type things. So all that to say, um, it's all connected. The, this evil has a, a character to it. It's multifaceted, but it's intelligible. They want you to think it's that it's unintelligible, so don't even bother trying to wrap your mind around it. It is very intelligible, but it's also very sick and <clears throat> pathetic. And to that degree, I think that those, right. those statesmen of this world, like Sergei Glaziev or Xi Jinping or Putin or Lavrov or many of the awakening statesmen, even... Amal Obrador of, of Mexico and many others of the world who represent probably 90 plus percent of the world population are uh, are increasingly aware of the nature of this beast and have reconciled their or are in the midst of reconciling their internal contradictions and their differences with their neighbors like we see with Saudi Arabia and Iran and Iran and Turkey and Syria and Turkey and Saudi Arabian Gulf states and Syria um, we actually see real uh, harmony beginning to actually form because as, despite the corruption and stupidity that had been endemic in many of these different um, cultural matrices, there is a higher recognition that this, this oligarchical game that they have been playing for far too long is as satanic and ugly and futureless as it is. Yes. And so they're they're when presented with the option of you go down with this Titanic and you could maybe get lucky and be a manager of your little corner of hell on earth, or do you go with the the, the multipolar alliance that's offering you 
billions and billions of dollars of investments into large-scale infrastructure, schooling, it, science, culture? Or do you do that instead and maybe attain a world of relative stability and cooperation? Well, they're going increasingly with that. Even the, even the bad eggs are, are awakening to their humanity. So that's, that's the other more preferable future that I think everybody should really think more deeply about internalizing and, uh, and get off drugs. Right now, that's not, that is not your freedom. That is an escape that, that hey, Harari wants you to be escaping into because it makes you more malleable, I'm sorry to say. But, just, but Lord yeah. Zenu of the Elf Lords, he told me in the, when I was on my psilocybin trip, man, I was doing ayahuasca, and Lord Zenu said that I got to you know delve deeper into the 15th level of consciousness so I can find my inner chakra and align it with uh, the planet Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how to be a candidate for fascism 101 right there. <laughs> God almighty. And, you know, th and this is the thing. It's, it's, it's amazing. When you, when you study, um, like, scripture, like, there's one of the things that, uh, that in the Bible it says, come, let us reason together, right? It always talks about come, let us reason together, right? The God of the universe, the designer, the architect is always saying, renew your mind for the days are evil. It never says take your brain and chuck it out the window and have these experiential things and whatnot. I find it fascinating. I, mean, I find it very fascinating that that somehow logic and thought and 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 intellect and and and, and cognitive ability is something that is that is poo pooed upon, and always get into some sort of experiential, ex, you know, esoteric nonsense. Well, that, what, I, what I always tell people like, like is, look, it, there might be some therapeutic value in some way for oh, some sure of these is. elements of drugs. Sure, why not? You know, uh, okay, fine, but. Before jumping into that world, um, figure out how your mind actually works properly when it's sober because everybody wants enlightenment. They want to skip steps. And so they don't even take the time to properly figure out how this mind that God gave us actually works when it's in a healthy, sober state properly. Right. And, and they just want to jump straight to uh, creating new realities in, in with mind drugs. Right. Well, just wait and, and take the time to properly explore that space of the divine potential of creative thought to read some Plato read something difficult, take some notes, like work your mind, make some, you know, just, just work it and then revisit your question. See if it's going to work better. If you think when you're, when you're going to be doing a regime of, uh, of smoking a blunt a day after work for the next five months, you know, is that going to make your mind better? Are you, are you going to do those things that, that, you know, um, that you found so incredibly gratifying, enjoyable when you were being mentally rigorous, making discoveries, asking questions, doing rigorous work, creatively thinking is 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 that power and pleasure you get with that and the sharing that you get and your power of communicating those more complex thoughts to other human minds is that going to get better after you've done a five-month regime of of daily blunts or of uh of of you know of of, of popping some psychosyllabin uh, uh or psychosyllabin or other form of lsd mind-altering drugs is that going to get better those powers or not i mean you know i'm not just think about that a little bit. See if that's something you still want to do. Because I could, I could tell you, the oligarchy is afraid not of us all being on drugs to get liberated. That's not what they're afraid of. They're afraid of us using the powers that God gave us in our minds right. and souls properly and acting accordingly with those more matured identities that allow us to be ourselves and to be happy with a purpose in our life that goes beyond the, mort the mortal limits of our birth and death, which is what every natural human mature being um, a tings. Listen to Martin Luther King's speech. You know, spend spend a few hours instead of playing video games, 
download or just go to YouTube and listen to as many Martin Luther King speeches and, and think about the quality of mind and soul that generated that composition that is going to move you even after he dies. Think about what was making him uh, take the types of courageous actions in the face of this evil beast that he was taking or listen to John F. Kennedy's speeches and think about those same questions or Bobby Kennedy, read his writings, buy their books. You could do that. Transcriptions of their books. You want something something good to do? Look for people who, who fought and died for humanity and left a body of, of works, either recorded or transcripts, whether I'm talking here about Abraham Lincoln's speeches, buy those and read those, you know? Yeah. Cicero, he got his he got his head cut off uh, by his enemies when Rome became an empire. Why? What was he saying? Was it something you could benefit from? I think so. Try it out. Go on Amazon, buy some Cicero's writings, see what yeah. you get. You know, Plato, his his teacher Socrates got killed by the mob for corrupting the minds of the youth. Well, maybe that's something you want to be corrupted by. Like, have a read through his dialogue, see what was so dangerous to the political establishment of ancient Athens. Maybe you'll find yourself getting becoming a better, more effective person who could think more clearly instead of being on drugs and video games and porn, you know? Maybe. Try it out. <laughs> you know? Yep. That's all I got to say. That's, that's all I did. Very well said. <laughs> Matthew Eric, it is. I am very happy that you are back, and the audience is very, very happy that you are back. Welcome back. And, folks, go over to the CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net, and substack.com forward slash Matthew Eret. Get a hold of Max, Matt, and Cynthia's books. Join, subscribe to their Telegram channel via their website. You go on Rising Tide Foundation, all the information is there. They do amazing work, amazing symposiums week in and week out. An absolute wellspring of knowledge. He is the brain trust around here. With that being said, we're over and out. Bye-bye.